Hey there, I'm Brittany, and welcome to the Cape Cod Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at capecodchurch.com. In the meantime, we hope you enjoy this message in our current series. Good morning, good morning, good morning. I'm going to get set up. I'm a weirdo. My students deal with this every week. It takes me 30 minutes. And yes, you, you might not see my kids, but you're definitely going to hear them. There's no doubt about that. That's just part of the thing. But I am glad to be here. It's almost been, I flew down here with my wife almost one year ago to the day. Almost one year ago to the day. And we came down to Cape Cod Church praying about, is this, is this what God wants for us? We were in, in Texas. I grew up in Philly. Shout out to Philly. Yeah, Philadelphia, yay. And we grew up in Philly, no big deal, but I did 10 years in, that's a lie, I just lied to you in church, I'm done. I did about nine years in Texas, and God was doing awesome things, and can I be real? I don't have a lot of time, it's not a part of my message, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. I was in, we were driving home last year, we did Christmas, we did New Year's, we were coming back from New Year's, we took our family somewhere right after there for a couple days, and and a pastor called us from New Hampshire, I was like, hey, what's up? How are you doing? Listen, I just got to let you know this. Here's the thing. I got this, this pastor, Buddy Mon, trying to help him find a youth pastor. And, and every time I keep thinking of this, Johnny and Christina Paparo keep coming up in my heart. And it's like, I just feel, I just, the Holy Spirit, I feel like I got to tell you that. And he's like, all right, I got to go. Bye. And that was it. And next thing you know, now it's almost a year later and I am sitting at Cape Cod Church and it is awesome. But I'm going to be real again. Listen, when we came down, they told me, they told me that it wasn't going to snow that much at all, okay? I'm not a huge fan of it, but let's get into it today for some purpose faith. Y'all ready? Can y'all talk back a little bit today? Can we have that? I need a little bit of that in my life. So here we are, but I want to set the foundation with a foundational scripture as we jump into this, and this is going to be in Daniel chapter 3. And we're going to start in verses 13. And we have these three Hebrew boys who become captive to a country called Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar, who's the king there, builds this statue and wants everybody to bow down to this statue. And these three Hebrew boys kind of put up a little bit of a problem. And we're going to start in verse 13, and we're going to set the stage. And it says this, Furious with rage... Obviously, they're not bound down. Furious with rage, summoned Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of all the instruments, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then would God will be able to rescue you from my hand. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. For if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. And even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. 
Now, I want to use that as the foundational launching pad into what I want to talk about today. But we're going to backtrack for one second. Uh, we've been here almost a year in my family, and God is doing amazing things through our students. Ain't me, our students, our leaders. I am so stinking proud of our students and our leaders. I, I, I don't even think I could formulate words to say that, to be honest with you. I'm so proud of them. But God is doing awesome things in our life. But I, I was excited to move. I really was. But I just told you this. I don't think it's breaking news to anybody. I'm not a huge fan of snow. Like, I am not a huge fan of snow at all. Maybe you were happy on Tuesday. I was not that happy on Tuesday. But I was excited about one thing. My kids were born and raised in Dallas, Texas. We talk about snow. I'm from Philly. But when I talk about snow to them, they think I'm still talking about a fairy tale. They think like, no, that's only on TV. That's only on Disney+. Plus. So I'm excited that they get to actually witness snow. Y'all feel me? So Monday night, they know snow is coming. I know snow is coming. We're all excited. Tuesday morning, we wake up. We about to have a ball, y'all. I'm just being real. But listen, when you and I wake up, we got to wake up. When my kids wake up, they're, they're up. It's level 100 already at 7 in the morning. But before they want to go outside, listen, we have to take a deep breath. We got the fire sizzling. We got pancakes on the grill. Y'all feel me? We ready to get it. We sit down for breakfast. Now, I don't know in your household if you have kids, but in my household, we go to war when we have to eat because for some reason, my kids just don't want to eat. But no, Tuesday morning, they were shoveling that food down their throat as fast as they could. And we're eating, we're laughing, we're talking. We start to get them dressed. You know what I'm saying? Getting ready to go outside, put their snow clothes on. We did didn't even have snow clothes. Someone gave us snow clothes. And it's just like a perfect scenario. And where we live, it's like a, we have a nice front yard. I'm not saying we're balling. We ain't balling, but we got a quiet front. You know what I'm saying? It's quiet. There's not a lot happening. We don't have to drive anywhere, you know? So we just have to open the door and we are outside. And I'm excited. My kids are excited. Y'all, it was the first snowman I ever built. I was more excited than where we're on that. I hate snow, but I was excited. We're building snowmen and you know, we're out there me, Rocky, Rosie, my wife, building snowman, but I'm a dad. You know, my job is to cause chaos. So you know what I'm doing? I'm out there. I'm leaning over. I'm packing. You know, a couple, listen, that snow was primo for snowballs. Y'all feel me? I was packing a couple snowballs, but I wasn't doing anything crazy. I was just some light throws at their feet. The kids are laughing, having a good time. And I'm like, listen, I got to pick it up a notch. And at this point, Christine's like, listen, I'm done. I'm out. I got to go inside. I'm too cold. And as me, being a good, loving, caring father, I stay out there with my children. And we're out there having fun, and I got to pick it up a little bit. So I'm packing the snowballs a little bit tighter. You know what I'm saying? I'm dropping... Yo, I can't even make this up, for real. I'm dropped back like Brady on this one throw. Listen, it was supposed to be a little screen pass, but I'm telling you, that was a bottom of the nine, three, two count. That thing came out. And I throw that thing right at Rocky, and Rocky was, Rocky was licking the snow. Don't lick the yellow snow, Rocky. We had to tell him that. Y'all feel me? Was down there licking the snow, and as that... That snowball zooming, supposed to go over his head. I was praying, go over your head, go over your head. This kid gets selfish and has to pick himself up. This thing clocked him. Yeah, bop, 
right into his face. He went down like Frazier. He's down there rolling around. Oh my gosh. Rosie looks at me and said, Dad, what are you causing chaos? I'm like, listen, chill out. We can't let mom know what's happening. I pull over there. Rocky's a tough kid. You know what I'm saying? I go over to get Rocky. I pick him up. And you know what? You know what happens? The light shining perfectly. And as I'm holding him, all you see is the beautiful white snow. Red, red, red. Blood dropping from his face. Rosie's looking at me. She's going crazy. I got my back to the ring doorbell. I can't, I got to cover all evidence. Nothing can happen. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to convince, listen, it's going to be okay. You're going to stop bleeding. It'll be, I, had to I had to give them ice cream at 10 in the morning, y'all. I'm just being honest with you. I'm getting them inside to the house. I can't make this. I'm getting them inside. And Rosie, and this is, let's come back into this. And Rosie looks at me and says, Dad, don't worry. Rosie's a tough kid. I say, I know he is. My dad, my dad bought him when he was three months old. Shipped that. I'm a... Johnny, I'm sending, Dad, you're probably watching this. You remember this. Sending Rocky a gift. My man, three months old, sending Rocky boxing gloves. My man's got box. Listen, I know he's a tough kid. And then she looks at me and says, Dad, don't worry about it. I just prayed Jesus is going to heal him. Y'all, I looked at her. Come on, right? I looked at her. I was so proud. And in an instant, over my entire body, I had this reflection of this idea, y'all, because purpose, you hear me say it every single week, that we hope you leave here knowing that God loves you and has a purpose for your life. Purpose has been something for the past couple of years, y'all, I can't shake. It's been all over me. I've been studying, trying to figure it out. How do I live in it? How do we get others to live in it? And when she said that to me, it came all over me, into my soul, things running through my body that I was remembering from years ago because I feel like the Bible tells us that we should have a childlike faith. We should have a childlike faith. And sometimes I feel like as we become adults and we have highs and lows and we experience life a little bit, I think we kind of forget that. It's almost like you're watching a Christmas movie and you know how they're like, well, adults can't believe in Santa Claus. Life has already taken you. There's no magic left. You know what I'm saying? Listen, I feel like we should have a childlike faith. That as we go through life, those who say they follow the person and principles of Jesus, we almost forget about this dependence that we should have of a child towards a good heavenly father. That you are here right now, not on accident, but you are here on purpose and for purpose. That you yourself have been built by design that you have been crafted for your calling, that you have been wired for your work, that when God made you, he made you with purpose in mind. And the reason I can communicate this with confidence is because I eavesdropped on a conversation between God and a gentleman named Jeremiah. And God said to Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you, I knew you. Before I formed you, I knew you. God is saying, I knew everything about you before you even discovered it was there. I knew you. I knew you'd be moody on Mondays. I knew it. I knew it. I really did. I knew you'd be cranky without coffee. I knew that too. I knew it. 
I knew your mistakes before you made them. And I knew your missteps before you even took them. So whenever we begin to communicate to our creator how unqualified we are, you know what his response is? You think I don't know that already? But God doesn't choose us because of, God chooses us in spite of. And purpose is God's preference for our life. I'm going to say that again. Purpose is God's preference for your life. It's what he wants to do. He's willing to part red seas to make that happen. He's willing to knock down Jericho walls to make that happen. He's willing to make a raven feed a prophet to make that happen. Now, people feed birds. Birds don't feed people. But when God is willing to do something in your life, he'll even make something act inconsistent with his nature just to get it to you. It's his preference for us. But in order for God's preference to become our experience, it requires our participation. I'm going to say that again. In order for God's preference to become our experience, it requires our participation. It's not enough for God just to want it for me. I have to want it for myself. Isn't this even one of the questions that Jesus even asked one man before he healed him? He said, do you want to be made well? Mm. And this expression of purpose comes out in our lives through this word that those who've walked into the church many times before and those who are unchurched have heard. And it's this word called faith. And maybe that's one of the reasons why the psalmist says in Psalms 37, 4, God gives us the desires of our heart. Because maybe one way of looking at that is God gives my heart desires. Because he knows it's not enough for him to just want it for me. I have to want it for myself. So the more I start trusting God, the more I start falling in love with Jesus, the more I start engaging in this relationship, my heart starts wanting for me what he wants for me. And the more he starts putting his hands on my life, God gives me those desires that are in my heart. And it comes out as this word called faith. Faith is the bridge that gets you from where you are to where you could be. Faith is the transportation system to get you from a life of purposeless to a life of purposeful. Church family, those who have read the Bible and are familiar with it, faith gets you from the wilderness to Canaan land. It's faith. And your presence on this planet has purpose. And purpose is always an answer to a problem. The creation of the light bulb solves a darkness problem. The creation of medicine helps solves a sickness problem. The creation of vehicles helps solve transportation problems. And your creation, your purpose is an answer to a problem. And the reason the enemy doesn't want you and me to discover a walk in it and submit to it is because he knows when purpose is left unfulfilled, we leave the next generation with some Goliaths you and I were supposed to slay. You have purpose. I said you have purpose. And your creation, your purpose is an answer to a problem. 
And this morning, I'd just like to have a conversation off the foundational text we read today in Daniel chapter 3 about what does it mean to have a purposeful faith that we believe at Cape Cod Church that you can wake up and you can live your life fully, that that's not a fairy tale either, that you can walk in purpose and have purposeful faith. And in Daniel chapter 3, I think we see an interesting example of this faith. And here contextually, this is, really, this is really interesting to me, what happens at the beginning part of Daniel. See, we read Daniel 3 and we started in verse 13, but I want to bring us back into the story. This is interesting. It's God's people have gone through a season of significant loss and they've been conquered by a country called Babylon. And this is what's interesting about Babylon. When Babylon conquers a country, their practice was to strip their country they conquered of its culture. It's a powerful picture of the enemy who Jesus describes as the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Family, those aren't three different ways of saying the same thing. Those are three different things that the enemy does. He steals, kills, and destroys. And we got to get this because in 2 Corinthians 2.11, Paul teaches us if we are ignorant of Satan's devices, he gets an advantage over us. He doesn't just want to destroy and kill. He wants to steal. And sometimes we survive seasons and we celebrate our survival. God brought me through. Come on, y'all, am I the only one? God made a way. God brought me out. But sometimes... The enemy is sitting back observing our activity and saying, I didn't send that to kill you. I sent that to steal. You survived, but your optimism didn't. You survived, but your dreams didn't. You survived, but your hope didn't. He doesn't just want to kill, he wants to steal. And I think that's what made him so agitated with Job because he kept taken from him, but he couldn't take what he really wants. What's he want, Johnny? He wants your commitment to God. And some of us who say we follow the person and principles of Jesus, we have to make a decision whether I go in the furnace or outside the furnace, I'm rocking with God. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. You want to give the enemy a nervous breakdown? Next time you're going through something, praise God anyway. You have purpose. Because you want my praise, but I won't let you have it. And he coming after my health, but you want my praise. And he coming after my family, but you want my praise. And he coming after my job, and you want my praise. But I won't let you have it. So they would conquer a country, and they would, they would strip you of everything. They would, they would strip you of your name. Family, you see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are not Hebrew names. They're captive. That's when they got captive. Those are Babylonian names because that's what the enemy does in the middle of a season of loss. He wants to label you. He wants to label you in the middle of a season of loss so that when we're going through loss, we come out of the loss and we survive, but we lose our identity and we come out with an identity crisis. Check this, watch this, because people can only use people who don't know who they are. 
people who've been labeled through a loss, not good enough, not smart enough, not pretty enough, not strong enough. They labeled them through a loss. And they tried to take everything, watch this, including their faith, their religion, their faith. It's in the text. And they build this huge idolatrous statue and say, everybody has to bow down to this statue. And these three Hebrew boys who are now working for the Babylonian kingdom are now faced with the threat of abandoning their faith or suffering the punishment of being thrown into a fire blazing or a furnace blazing with fire, excuse me. And they refuse to do so when they're called before Nebuchadnezzar, who's the king. And Nebuchadnezzar says, listen, I'm going to give you boys one more opportunity. And we read their response together. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, now listen, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. (laughs) Y'all, trash talking is in the Bible. I'm not even going to bother that. We're so convinced that we don't need to make you convinced to make ourselves feel better about what we believe in. I don't need you to believe it for me to believe it. In other words, King Nebuchadnezzar, we're being nice. There's no need to defend ourselves in this matter. They said, for if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Please don't miss this, because up on first reading, this reads like a contradiction. They say God is able, and he will. But when you read the story, I want you to see what happens. When you read the story, they didn't say, oh, this is about to make a lot of us uncomfortable. They didn't say God will deliver us from the fire. It says he will deliver us from your hand. But verse 18, here is the purposeful faith. But even if he does not, See, that's another level of faith right there. Because in verse 17, they're saying God is willing and God is able. But then in verse 18, but they're saying, but even if he doesn't, we still won't bow down. This is purposeful faith. Because purposeful faith is a faith that is stubborn, unyielding, unbending, and fireproof. Purposeful faith is fireproof. Johnny, why do you you say that? Because as soon as these Hebrew boys finish trash talking and say this amazing statement, The king don't give a rip. He said, throw them boys right in the fire. There they go. Man. Now I'm thinking, you make a stand like that. God, you got to come through for me right now. You feel me? God, here I am. I'm standing for you. For God I live, for God I die. Well, you getting ready to die. Hold on, Jesus. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. They go in the fire, which I think we need to pause for this because fire represents a number of different things within Scripture. But one of the things it represents is it represents challenges. 
Peter says in 1 Peter 4.12, don't be surprised by the fiery ordeal that has come to test you as though something strange has happened. Peter's saying, Peter's saying, don't think this is strange. He's teaching us something about the gospel. The gospel, God's word, this love letter that he gives us has many beneficial things for your life and my life. And some of those things represent things that we should avoid. The Red Sea is a story about avoidance. The Passover is a story about avoidance. Jericho Walls is a story about avoidance. But the gospel is also a gospel that's not just about avoidance. It's also a gospel where there's things that we need to overcome. Bring it back into the story, John. Meaning there are certain things that you and I can't avoid, but we need to overcome. So even if I can't avoid the fire, I will still overcome your majesty's hand. Here's my question to you. Do you have purposeful faith? That's faith that survives fire. That survives life. That survives difficulties. That survives challenges. It's I know you came out, but did you bring your faith with you? So we're talking about purposeful faith. Because the Hebrew boys, come on now, can we humanize them for a minute? They got to be in that fiery furnace now, like we got ourselves into a pickle. Jesus, ain't this something else? Now, I took a stand for you, so I'm supposed to be avoiding circumstances like this. Come on now. Not that they wanted to happen to anybody, but let's humanize them for a second. They had to be thinking, God, out of everybody this could have happened to, God, how could you let this happen to me? God, how could you let this happen to me? Can we say that? Is that all right? How could you let this happen to me? I don't want it to happen to anybody, but I didn't want this to happen to me. Not this. No, 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 God. Why me? Not this. Not a breakup. Not me. Not chemo. Not me. Not a diagnosis. Not me. Not a rejection letter. Not me. Not losing these accounts. I need these accounts. They're key and critical. To my business, God, I can't lose these accounts, not me. Can we humanize them for a little bit, church, and take off the church mask and look into the eyes of three young men who feel like they losing everything trying to do the right thing? Not, not that they would have wished it up on anybody else, but if God would have asked for some recommendations, you know, I'm Jesus, I know a few people that's not even trying. I mean, at least we trying. I know a few people not even trying and they happy. It's purposeful faith, church, because purposeful faith is a faith that is on fire. And you fight fire with fire, point blank, period. And fire can't consume fire because when the fire and trials of life run into a purposeful faith, it runs into a faith that's already on file. Check this. And purposeful faith, please listen 
in on this. And purposeful faith doesn't allow disappointments from what didn't happen in the past to stop you from believing what God can do right now. Purposeful faith, come on. Doesn't stop you from believing what God can do in the present. You know what I think some purposeful faith is, church? I think we're sitting in it. I think we're sitting in a purposeful faith. I think we're sitting in a faith of those who came before us and some of those in this room right now that believe God would do amazing things on the upper cape. And I think we have the opportunity right now to be sitting in purposeful faith. Is it okay for a moment if we honor those who sacrificed that came before us and led the charge to where we are today? Because some people before us, if they never stepped into purpose, you and I would have never discovered ours. If some people didn't sacrifice to where we are today, you and I may not have discovered our full life. I want to honor those that came before us. I try to tell pastor, listen, I'll be selfless. I'll go to Florida for you if you want to stay back. I got you, dude. (laughs) And the text reveals to us the power. I'm almost done, y'all, right? And the text reveals to us the power a purposeful faith. The Bible says this, King Nebuchadnezzar decides to put these three Hebrew boys in a fiery furnace, right? And this is what happens. The text tells us that he ordered his men to turn the furnace up seven times hotter than what it normally is. So the men who were grabbing these boys and putting them into the furnace, these men, as they're throwing them in, the heat's so hot, the Hebrew boys stay alive, but the workers get burned up. Here it is. Purposeful faith will help you survive what scorches others. It means you and I can have the same experiences, but we don't have to have the same outcomes. I don't know about you, but I know about me that I need to give God some praise because when I look back over my life, there are some things that I survived that scorched others. People tell me, Johnny, your energy, I love it, you're on stage. I just want to be honest. I shouldn't even be here. I shouldn't even be alive. So when I look back over my life, there are some things that I just got to praise God about that he brought me through that scorched others. So I need to step into purpose because I want all students on the upper cape to be able to to experience theirs. They threw them in. This is amazing. They threw them in, and the text says they threw them in a certain way. And we're going to spin a block and come back to that. It's in the text, and this is verse 23, chapter 3. It says, they throw these men firmly tied so they're bound. Firmly tied so they're bound into the blazing furnace. Y'all see that? And the Bible says in verse 24, the king leaped to his feet in amazement and he goes, okay, I'm tripping. I'm bugging. And he had to ask, now wait a minute. Weren't there three young men tied up, thrown into the fire? And his worker said, sir, sir, whatever you say. Yes, sir, I'm not trying to get thrown in. Certainly, your majesty. And he says, well, look, I see four men unbound and unharmed and the fourth looks like the son of God. I want you to circle in on this. The fourth looks like the Son of God. This is what we call in theological circles a Christophany. It is a premature manifestation of Christ in the Old Testament before the fulfillment of his manifestation in the New Testament. Here's the point. It didn't just look like Jesus. 
It didn't just smell like Jesus. It didn't just feel like Jesus. It was Jesus Christ himself in the flesh. So we have this pagan, polytheistic, unbelieving king who doesn't believe in Jesus. Jesus wasn't born yet. He's never seen Jesus, doesn't care about Jesus, that in the midst of these Hebrew boys' purposeful faith, as they're living out life in the fire, this king's able to immediately look into the life of these three boys and recognize with his own two eyes, Jesus. May I suggest to you this morning that just maybe in the midst of our lives, though good times and good and vacations are fun, though family is important and things we enjoy are not bad, but may I suggest to those who follow the person and principles of Jesus that maybe in the moments of difficulties, that maybe in the moments of life hardships, that maybe in the moments of disappointments are the exact moments you and I should come alive, that in those moments may just actually be the times we say, okay, God, let's get to work, that maybe in those times, those who don't follow Jesus, maybe in those times those who don't believe in Jesus, maybe in those times those who doubt Jesus will look upon our life and how you and I respond to the fire, maybe they might just say, I don't know if I believed before, but I'm looking at Jesus. I don't know if I doubted before, but right now I'm looking at Jesus. I had questions before, but right now I'm looking at Jesus. Church family, in the fire is where we come alive. Listen to what happens. The king says, tell the men to come out. Get them out of there. They went in the fire bound, but the fourth one, Jesus, got in there. And before he delivered them out of the fire, he loosed them in it. Because some of us are in the fire and we're bound with bitterness, bound with anxiety, bound with regret, bound with anger. But what if I told you purposeful faith helps you get loose in it before God helps deliver you out of it? And the same king who threw them in is the same king who said, get them out. And here's my whole point, and I'm done. I want us to look at what King Nebuchadnezzar says when these Hebrew boys come out. First thing he says is, praise be the God. Y'all see that? Praise be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we come back to this pagan polytheistic king who is saying no other God can save like their God and he issues a decree that nobody can speak negative about this God. God was using their story the entire time to turn the heart of this king in the direction of their God. Here it is. I want to bring this back to purpose. Let's make a hermeneutical glue. Let's come all the way back to the beginning. What if I told you we don't know what these Hebrew boys' skills were? They're not in the Bible because of skill. Because most time, whenever we think of purpose, we just think about God using our skills. 
Family, you don't even need faith to use skill. You can sing and be bitter. My wife mad at me, but she a good cook. You can cook for someone. You don't even like, let me just cook this up real quick, give it to you. Purpose is not just about God using your skill. Purpose is about God using your story. And when you and I use our skill, God says, that's awesome. That's glamorous. That's pretty high five. But when I use your story, there's fire involved. Church family, I've been working with teenagers 15 years of my life. And those who I witnessed have turned from Jesus, doubted Jesus, defected of Jesus, because they have not been properly prepared on how to deal with fire when life happens, when we survive, but our faith doesn't. And today as I get ready to pray over you and take my seat, my question to you is, is disappointment from what did not happen in the past stopping you from believing about what God can do in the future? A faith that survives a no. A faith that survives a diagnosis. A faith that survives a prayer a prayer for healing that did not manifest the way you had hoped. I love you, Dad. Church family, we can walk with two God. We can walk with God in two ways. We can have facelifts or heart transplants. We can have facelifts. We can act like we got purposeful faith. We can act like we got it all together. We can come in with a smile or we can say, God, I need to give you what's been holding me down, this disappointment, because it's really yours to carry anyway. And I need to be real, God, I trust you. But I'm disappointed. And I need to give you this because I know you will not heal what I don't reveal. I know what I'm talking about, church. I live, not lived, I live this. Fire after fire after fire after fire. And today God is saying, you've been carrying something too long that belonged to me. Faith is not a denial of reality, church, but it is believing in God to change it. And as I was getting ready for today, I was reading verses that I've read a hundred times over and over again, where Jesus is talking in the scriptures, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes unto the Father except through me. And I was reading this, and I'm telling you, I felt him speak to me in a different way, that Jesus is screaming for all to hear, that there's nobody else coming for you. Stop waiting. No one else is coming. I am the way. No one else is coming. I am the truth. No one else is coming. I am life. No one else is coming because no one else is able to do and no one else is willing to do what I can do for you. Nobody else is coming because nobody else needs to for it is finished. Church family, would you pray with me?
Father God, thank you for life. Thank you for truth. Thank you that you use us in spite of our flaws and our hurts. That you choose us in spite of our doubts and our questions. And when we give you those, God, you're ready to give us something better in return. Life and peace. God, help us to be those that can live a purposeful life. Family, if you are in this room and you say, Johnny, I've been wrestling and questioning Jesus for a while now, but I, I might still even have some questions, but I'm ready to jump on board. I would like to lead you in a quick conversation with him that you could say quietly to yourself. It's about just you being authentic with him. He knows you already. Just repeat after me quietly. Say, God, I love you. I understand I, I've done wrong. That we've all sinned. But God, I believe in who you are and your son and what he's done for me. This morning, God, let me start this relationship with you to find a purposeful life. God, we celebrate you today. In Jesus' name, amen.